it's interesting because I hear it again and again and again that couples live now more like roommates than passionate friends and lovers and they're not having much sex anymore and mm-hmm. they if they do have time they'd rather take a nap or you know <laughs> what i mean it's just yeah. like they're they're feeling alone and they're feeling disconnected and so you know of course what we do is help them turn that around so that they can be that passionate lover and friend to one another and create a um a relationship or a marriage that feels like a beautiful connected sanctuary to season four of the Tour for This Shit podcast. I'm your host, Angie Sorensen. So I took a little bit of time out. I needed to just take some time to think about episodes I wanted to do for the new season and also took some time to do the rebrand. You may have noticed there's a new podcast artwork now, which has different colors, a lot more yellow. So has my website. So this season we'll have episodes on relationships. We'll have episodes that are circling back to a bit more scientific genres with episodes around memories, how reliable or more likely unreliable they are and how they even impact the legal system. I interviewed someone from the Innocence Project London that will be the next episode out and we'll also have one on budgeting which is really complementing what we did with Jeremy Schneider sort of like what do you do before you think about saving before you can even start saving and invest for your future your pension so we have one on um budgeting and then also i'm really really hoping to get lindsay demarchi back to talk about quantum entanglement if any of you have not heard there has recently um been proven that quantum entanglement is a thing it's been proven by three scientists who won a nobel prize for it in 2022 it's really exciting stuff really questions how we see the world and each other so i'm really really hoping to get her on soon she's really really busy so i just need to be patient we will do this recording i know um she's so much fun to to record with so um i can't wait for that to happen so yeah uh i'm back and if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to share with your friends, give it a five-star rating, a review. You can do this on Spotify, you can do this on Apple Podcasts, Radio FM, Amazon Music, wherever you're listening to it from it, wherever you're listening to it right now. It is free to listen to it. A little review, a little rating, a little share really, really helps this. Uh, being put forward in front of um, new listeners and really helps with the rating. So I really, really appreciate when you do it. I really want to hear from you. If you have any questions or thoughts from this episode or any other episodes you've listened to, message me directly. You can go to my website. I've put the link in the show notes. It's angie-s.com forward slash contact. Don't hesitate. I'll reply to all the messages. So on to today's episode with Sean Hayward. We talk about power struggles in a couple. How to go from a conflict-filled relationship to barely any conflicts. And why some couples stay together despite the hard times when others break up. And how do couples who are in business together stay together? The basic things they need to have in place to not kill the passion. All of this is covered in today's episode with Sean. So, without further ado, please help me give 
a big warm welcome to Sean. Let's begin. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the Tool for the Shit podcast. Hey, Angie. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I came across you a while back on the, I believe it was the In Your Pants podcast by Dr. Susie Gronsky. Okay. Is that correct? Were you, you were on her podcast, right? Um, it's been a long time. It's, yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's been a while. So uh, Susie was actually a guest on this show. And that's how sort of like I came across you because I really like, I, 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 you know, I, I've listened to a few of her episodes. I think she's really great. Yeah. Oh, so great. Yeah, she really is. And I really love like what you had to say in the episode with her. And obviously it's a while back now. A lot of things has happened since, but I I really can't wait to talk to you about power struggles in a couple, mixing business and sex, and how accountability plays a role in all of this. So so before we dive in, Sean, please introduce yourself, where you live and what you do. Yeah. Okay. Well, yep. I am Dr. Sean Haywood. And as far as living, uh, we have a little bit of a unique situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris and I have been traveling full time in our camper around the country for the last nine years. So technically we are um, nomads. We love to play and hike and bike and climb. So it's like the perfect, um, perfect scenario for us. And um, as far as what I do, so I am a relationship and marriage expert. I work with couples and couples who are in business together, whose marriages have either, you know, sort of fallen asleep or fallen apart. Um, Mm A couple sort of, you know, it's interesting because I hear it again and again and again that couples live now more like roommates than passionate friends and lovers and they're not having much sex anymore and mm-hmm. they they do have time they'd rather take a nap or you know <laughs> what i mean it's just yeah. like they're they're feeling alone and they're feeling disconnected and so yeah. you know of course what we do is help them turn that around so that they can be that passionate lover and friend to one another and create a um, a relationship or a marriage that feels like a beautiful connected sanctuary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay. So I already like took some notes just out of what you were just saying just now. So I just want to go back. First of all, because uh, it's funny because actually when we, when we connected right before uh, we started the interview, I was thinking, because I know in my mind, I was just like uh, that camper, which is on your website, like that 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 camper that you you uh, drive around with with your husband. I was just like, wait a minute, that's like so. Because when I, when we spoke, I was like, oh wait, she must now be like in a really nice house. Is the background like a Zoom background on your Zoom, or or is that the background of your camper? Yep, it's the office in our camper. No. Oh, you've really, ah, uh, you've like pimped the camper up because uh, honestly, it look, <laughs> yeah, okay, it looks really good. Okay, yeah, like you're not messing around. Okay, got it. Uh, I, think, yeah. <laughs> I literally wrote down background Zoom question mark. Um, so, and then the other thing you said you are a relationship expert. Where's the doctor from your name, doc? Because it says Dr. Sean Haywood. Are you not? Uh, like a therapist or something like that? Yeah, uh, doctor of psychology. Um, yes. When I started my career 23 years ago, I was a traditional therapist. Um, 
I actually let my license lapse many years ago. Um, it wasn't a great match for me to give people diagnoses. So um, I sort of fell into the world of coaching, literally went to the very first coaching school, which and the very first coaching conference ever. <laughs> that's, that's how long I've been doing this. And um, yeah, and that was a great fit for me. Um, so, you know, obviously, it's great to have the education and the background, but um, coaching is really, I just love the forward movement of it and how mm -hmm rapidly um people can change actually it's funny because hearing you say that i was just thinking of like this word um boxing because i guess like you mentioned about like diagnosing people i wonder if maybe you felt that because it feels like you're box putting people into a box whether when you're coaching you're actually unboxing people exactly right it's like it's sort of like because it's so much more interactive in and in, in forward thinking right not so much backward oh. thinking Truly, truly. And, you know, people get unstuck and get let go of depression and anxiety and, you know, other negativity so, so efficiently in the mm -hmm. in the world of coaching. Yeah. Well, I, actually, it's funny you say that because I, I, I do feel that um, what, um, what's her name now? Kathy Heller says on her podcast, Don't Keep Your Day Job. Oh, now now mm -hmm. I think it's called, the, the, now it's just called um, Kathy Heller Show. But one of, the, like, her... Um, thing on there is that she always says in her intro like you know that the opposite of depression is not joy is purpose and i think mm. it's just a lot of time like you said like you know getting out of depression and stuff because it's like that's a big big topic on this podcast as well it's like his mental health and it's i find as well like the minute you can get out of yourself and feel a sense of what you bring to the outside world it shifts me into like this you know I mean, it's sometimes it's not enough, like it depends what's going on, but like this sense of you doing something that's helpful for others or even for one person, it has such mm. a big effect on your mental health. Yeah, truly. Mm -hmm. You hit the nail on the head on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so before we go into the whole uh, power struggle and then business and sex, um, what got you into this field of work, like, you know, couples therapy and therapy? Mm -hmm. What was what, what has been your your pull into this? Yeah, uh, such a great question. So, you know, I can I can actually remember as a little girl in junior high when I would people would ask me what what I wanted to do. I would always tell them I, I see myself talking to people and helping people, right? Like I didn't really know exactly what it was, but I just had a a, a heart for for um, service, for helping. And um, you know, when I first started my business in 1999, um, I worked with young athletes um, in a sports psychology capacity and they were gymnasts swimmers divers figure skaters so a really high achieving and very high on the perfectionism scale and then that sort of morphed over time and now i work with the adult version 
of that little girl. So, and then their counterpart. So our, the dynamic of couple that we work with is, is really pretty specific. And we playfully lovingly call them the tornado and the inchworm, the, the woman high achieving, like, you know, big personality go getter. We call her the tornado and her counterpart is just this really kind, super steady Eddie kind of guy do anything for anyone. And we call him the inchworm. So it really just evolved over time. Um, and then, you know, as you might imagine, you know, many, many years ago when, when Chris and I started to struggle in our marriage, we just had such a hard time finding people to support us that weren't, that weren't interested in throwing one of us under the bus, like making Uh, it one person's fault. Mm -hmm. And so as we built our, our programs, it's just so from the core of us making sure that everyone feels totally loved, supported, honored, not blamed, right? And so it's really just a part of the foundation of, of the work that we do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's interesting that you said that because I, I don't know how you can ever get to any resolution in any conflict, whether it's a personal work, romantic, you know, you, you name it, family, if you start to blame the other person because they're straight on the back foot and you just can't really move forward from it. It's like this block. Like, so I, I want to actually go into this now because I find like in any, and, and, I, and I, you know, and when I do, when I read different books around, I say read different books, uh, some I read, some are audiobooks. Okay. <laughs> it's all the same uh and about relationships from you know from therapists and stuff um is that i find there's definitely this common denominator that everybody agrees that there is this power you get to a point like you have the honeymoon and then you get this power struggle Mm -hmm. or maybe it's maybe power struggle is like stage three i don't know but it's like there's a power struggle moment that most of us get to, some of us get to, get to it faster than others. I mean, I think I get there very quick. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the power struggle, and it's and it's one of those, if I understand correctly, you have to just transcend it, go through it. Um, so my question is like, why do we, uh, first of all, maybe actually you can explain a bit what a power struggle is. Like the only thing I'm thinking of is like stupid things like, you know, the way we, it's often like presented like how you how you express yourself with your partner. So it's like you don't mm-hmm. care, you're mean to me. Um, I always cook, but I work too. I it's how you said it. I feel hurt. That kind of stuff, right? And mm-hmm. it's very much like who's the villain, who's the saint. I think that's something that you said. Like who's the villain, who's the saint, who's more worthy, and so on, right? And it's like this power struggle, right? Who's going to be the better one out of the two? Who's going to win? And then nobody wins, right? First of all, do all couples get into that? Is that correct? And then. Why do we get into that? Yeah, a uh, really great question. So, um, I mean, I certainly can couldn't say all couples, but uh, certainly most couples get to get to this place, right? And um, so we like to think of a concept that we call practice makes permanent. And I actually sort of developed this when I was um, working with young athletes. And the the sort of adage that you really hear is practice makes perfect, but we really understand that practice makes permanent, 
right? And so whatever we see growing up, um, and we call when you talk about power struggle, we call those emotional weapons. And there's seven mm. um, key emotional weapons, and they each have sort of sub weapons underneath, like anger, and then there's resentment and um, frustration underneath. Um, and so when you learn emotional weapons, right, depending on who you're more temperamented like, your mom or your dad or whoever raised you, you generally adopt the emotional weapons and and learn your power struggle, struggle skills from that particular parent. And then we tend to pair up with the opposite temperament. And so they have the opposing set of emotional weapons. And so when it gets to a point, right, where it's like, yes, the honeymoon phase is starting to fade, which really is like, we're moving from the falling in love neurotransmitter party to the bonding neurotransmitter party moving into oxytocin, the the literal of physiological um, rose colored glasses come off, and we start to see different things. And then we also, we can only see our, our partner through the lens of what we've experienced. So if I felt abandoned or was abandoned, then I'm going to perceive those actions in my partner. Oh, you came home late. Well, I guess you don't care about me. Right. And so it's always some version of a projection of our past as well as an emotional weapon being unleashed on to our partner who then in turn always picks up their emotional weapon and and you know lands it back to us so if, if we're to put this like in practical terms right so would it be for example because uh, you actually would you know you're actually talking about once those voice colored glass comes off mm-hmm. and we see people through through our wounds right like the way we see them like that's that's why you you know um i think that's where you can call like for some you you get triggered and you know the difference between the trigger and someone who's actually really done something bad is that you are having a you having this emotional reaction and the other person's got no idea what the fuck you're talking about right (laughs) right (laughs) exactly that's usually a good sign of a trigger i mean i i use that technique when i see if i see someone who's upset with me or they say something at me and i'm like what the fuck are they talking about i now know that because i i have this like you know i absorb a lot of uh, emotions energy like i have this like empathy and empath stuff for people Mm -hmm. but i realize actually certain things oh that's their stuff like i've not like exactly that's them being triggered (laughs) and i need then i need to like you know approach it slightly differently but i think it's like so okay so you see them through the glasses of your wounds and then you're getting triggered. They have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, you have a PowerPoint slide of all the things they've done to, uh, to make you upset to this point, right? But none <laughs> right. of it is getting in. Like you just cannot get through to them. And so, so I want to, so the reason why I bring this up is because you talked about the um, emotional weapon, right? That weapon mm-hmm. that you use. If, if, for example, growing up, the only way you got attention which is then translated as love right i'm just i'm yeah, just doing course. like a, hypo- a hypothetical yeah. here right but this mm-hmm. is kind of like the, a classic right very cliche here but um was we like you know all of a sudden throwing a tantrum throwing a fist running away from home all of a sudden people are like what the fuck is she you know like always oh, here mm-hmm. um that is something and then all of a sudden you know oh everything's fine people are so happy to see you that you're back home whatever you know that that sort of thing that you sort of used to oh, wait, when I do this, 
people are really relieved to see me. I feel loved. They really they care about me. So when you become an adult and you're getting triggered, you are throwing a tantrum, basically, right? You're making a big scene out of nothing. And then maybe at the beginning it works because your partner is going to be like, whoa, no, 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 no. I didn't mean to be so upset. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, those people don't really know it consciously at, at first unless they're really, you know, digging deep and, and trying to learn about this stuff. But what they're really looking for with emotional weapons, whether it's shutting down or literally throwing a tantrum or blaming, they're looking for compliance. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a, oh, that's a loaded word. Why is that? Yes. That's so true. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's manipulative. Unconsciously, yeah. but it, it becomes very manipulative. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And rarely, I mean, gosh, I can't even think of a time in 15 years that I thought someone was really using their emotional weapons to, to intentionally be cruel, right? It's like, oh, this is how I've learned to get my needs met or my wants met or what I think my needs are, which, you know, often aren't really actual needs. They're just things that people think they need. Uh, but yeah, they're seeking compliance, getting their way in in some way. I find it fascinating when people, you know, couples will tell me all the time, I just want them to understand me. Well, what's so interesting about understanding is that when they when you're talking someone into, into submission, you're 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 not seeking to be understood. You're seeking to be um to be complied with, right? And so it's like, we teach people that you strive for acceptance of your partner, not understanding because we can never really understand another human because we didn't grow up as them. It's just not, we can have moments that we understand. We can have similar experiences that we think we understand, but understanding in and of itself isn't really a real thing. We just have resignation sometimes. Like we nod our head and go, yeah, that makes sense to me. But um striving for acceptance is far more powerful well you know actually it's funny because actually i would i think i think in some occasions it may be even something else like oh the way i see it's slightly different like i feel like sometimes some people when they get triggered mm -hmm. they will they try to soothe themselves by controlling their environment Oh, yeah. So, right. So, for instance, so <laughs> in a couple, that's where, for example, jealousy is a pure example, right? a really unhealthy jealousy. Like that person, they would want to lock you up in the cupboard uh, right? just to control you because they can deal with these that emotion that comes up in them. Right. So it's to right. soothe themselves like a baby. <laughs> yeah. Can't try, find soothing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it is very it's interesting because. That's why it can be so scary in relationships because those emotions are so primitive that come up. Those triggers are really, really primitive and it feels physically painful sometimes. Yes. Because I'm assuming when people get to come to you, a lot of damage may have already taken place, right? Yes. So how, like if that behavior manipulates, because some, we know when we're being manipulated, right? I mean, at the beginning we don't because we all crazy about the person and we hope for the best and we only see the good and um but but at some point like you know the jig is up and you're like wait I'm really <laughs> manipulated here like what's going on so how I mean 
how do you undo that? Can you undo all mm -hmm. that hurt and all that scouring? Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah. I mean, the the short answer is a definite yes. I mean, it took Chris and I just sort of navigating on our own to, you know, putting bits and pieces together um, about three years to become a conflict-free, fight-free couple. And in the last five years, we've, I mean, maybe had like a small conflict a year. It just doesn't, you know, once you learn how to lay down your emotional weapons, you outgrow the need. So you trade your emotional weapons for other skills, right? Like practice makes permanent. You practice emotional weapons. You practice something else to replace those with. And then ultimately you learn to outgrow the need for that sort of drama, that conflict, like you were talking about a little bit ago, the the throwing a tantrum to get attention or to get your needs met, right? Like we're, so many adults are just grown up children that didn't that didn't learn how and that's not a judgment it's just they didn't ever learn how to how to resolve heal let go of so much negativity in their past so they bring it to their marriage like what else would they do that's just sort of what makes sense but absolutely people can learn how to lay down their emotional weapons and trade them out for skills that are truly loving that does allow you to create you know a passionate loving sanctuary so how when emotions are high which usually mm -hmm. because the stakes are they always feels higher when you are invested in someone right sure and in and it's an intimate relationship and so let's say something happens you get triggered emotions run really high and you know you need I mean, for some of us, I mean, I'm someone who needs time to process, right? So, mm -hmm. and I know, I, and I know I'm not the only one. A lot of people, a lot of people feel the same way. You sometimes you just have to like book away, process, uh, to let the emotions go away. You know, like you need to mm -hmm. you almost to let the emotions run through your body, just so you can see clear and have the conversation. Sure. So, but the thing is, like in the meantime. Obviously, yep. you probably pair yourself up with someone who likes to talk it out straight away, right? And then they feel ignored. You feel pressured. I mean, it's a whole mess. Mm -hmm. So how, like, how can you actually, in practicality, get there? Because in practicality, is is hard because their emotions are running high. Your yours are running high, mm -hmm. and effectively, to actually get a proper conversation. Um, I find it's almost easier at work because at work you can actually take time away. You go home, you can think about it, you can reframe it in your mind, mm -hmm. and you come in like solution focused. I mean, I've had difficult conversations at work, and it's been really, really um, healing and soothing because actually there has there was no drama. It was all we all it was all leveled, like you know, like peer to peer, and talk things out and listen to the other person, and it was really, really good, and it brought us into a much better place mm -hmm. um, professionally, right? And so I think. Like that's like that's something that's not as easy to do when you are mm -hmm. with, you know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. How, what do you say? What do you think? Yeah, um, it's it is a really great point, Angie. So the so as you can imagine, the the process that we take our clients through is really specific. It's built body, mind, spirit, uh, as well as neurology. So the the skills that people learn build upon one another. So what I would, uh, how I would answer that is one, 
what, what exactly what you said about it's so hard, right? It feels so hard in a coupleship. Mm-hmm. We actually start to, we, we start by helping them begin to redefine difficult because like, if you think about whatever the mind marks as difficult and hard, it sends you into overwhelm really quickly. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's so hard. <laughs> and then, oh, so there's stress, there's anxiety, and then there's overwhelm. Overwhelm is paralyzation. And so the the harder we think something is, the, the quicker the mind pushes us into this overwhelm space, which is, you know, a really not great place for couples to get. So we start to help them redefine what's difficult. It's like, okay, if somebody asked me to climb Mount Everest, that would be very difficult for me, very hard. I am I am not <laughs> probably going to climb Mount Everest in my lifetime. But emotional, um, like the triggers, the conflict, the stuff, it's emotional. And when things feel emotionally difficult, they get marked in the same way by the brain as physical difficulty. So we like to start to have them redefine that as, okay, it's emotional. It's not the end of the world. It's emotional. It feels, you know, a a certain specific way. And so it it instantly starts to allow the brain, literally your neurotransmitters to start to rewire and fire differently. It's like, okay, it doesn't have to be hard but it does feel like a lot of emotion. And then what you said about walking away, depending on the couple, right? And their level of volatility, sometimes they can just sit down and and shut up together for five minutes and breathe. Sometimes that would be good. Yeah. That sounds actually really good. That that sounds amazing. Because at least it's not pushing you, asking you tons of questions. Exactly. You get a a chance to listen to your own thoughts. Exactly. So what we really just need is a pattern interruption because the the brain and body strive to do everything exactly the same as as they've seen it since they were little and as they've done it since they were an adult. And so from a a nerve, again, like a, a neurotransmitter perspective, the body is urging you to have a fight again, because there's dopamine and serotonin and adrenaline. And those chemicals are addictive. They, our body is like, give me more, give me more, give me more. So, (laughs) so when you put it all together, it's so ripe for, um, continuing in contentious or conflict patterns. So we want to do whatever we can to interrupt that pattern. So first and foremost is, okay, just sit down, shut up and set a five minute timer and breathe or walk away. And while couples are doing that, we actually have a, a page. It's a one sheet. We call it four steps to communicate about anything, anywhere, anytime without conflict. And we have them literally print out 50 copies their first day and put them in every room in their house, in their car, in their bags, so that they can get it out at any time. And it literally starts with, I'm feeling blank, or I feel blank. Because when couples start to get all, you know, triggered and start hurling emotional weapons, they don't ever, they they show they're expressing how they feel, right? Like you might be seeing anger, but no one is saying the words and taking actual responsibility for, I feel angry. It's more like, you hurt me, you pissed me off, you asshole, you rah, 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 right? And as soon as they pull that page out, right? And there is, trust me, there is 
resistance to it at first, but as soon as they go, ah, I feel angry, right? They are owning a piece of the pie and it starts to shift things very quickly, mm. very quickly. And so their first step is just sit down, shut up or walk away, shut up, get your page and get clear about how you feel. Not the story, not the, all the dramatics about it, not your perspective, mm-hmm. but how you ju- just genuinely how you're feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because also you'd be way more su- way more receptive to someone saying, oh, for example, like we could just do it with you and me, for example, if I said, you make me so angry versus I feel angry. If I say I feel angry, you're probably more wanting to reach out to me. Whereas if you say, what if, whereas if I say you make me feel angry, you're going to want to like step back a bit because that's a bit scary. You go away. I don't want to make you more angry, right? Exactly. Yeah, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And the angry, usually there's an angry partner and a shutdown partner and the angry partner is typically feared. <laughs> Right. Yes. And so then there's more shutdown and then they're yeah. trying like pulling out their crowbar to get a rise out of them. And <laughs> so it's like, oh, often the angered partner gets really angered by me wanting to process. Yes. Because that's like, that's them feeling ignored. Do you know what I mean? Cur- like it's exactly. Ignored and and it's, well, just, it's just a vicious circle. So I would suggest that it's their story of being ignored. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. But I can also understand, I can also understand it, but yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so you would say, okay, I feel angry. And then I guess a bit of a release, right, sometimes, just even to say that, because often yeah. behind anger is like, for me, if I'm angry, there's like tears right behind it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You got it. Behind anger is something far more vulnerable. You yeah. got it. Yeah, and goes the shield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but that must be really hard for men, right? Because I think sometimes I don't. I mean, maybe I'm obviously I'm generalizing it here, um, but yeah, it, it must be really hard. I'm thinking about men because usually traditionally, mm-hmm. you know, um, my generation and older, they, they were not necessarily encouraged to have tears <laughs> or to no or to, uh, or, to, or to talk about emotions. Yeah, you're you're totally mm-hmm. right. It, it's so fascinating though, Angie. So one, we just give people a cheat sheet, literally. Uh, many years ago, I Googled, I saw this like feeling wheel, emotion wheel. There's like a hundred of them out there. And we just sort of adopted one and we have people print it out so they have a cheat sheet. And it's at, it's oddly enough, women struggle just as much as men to identify a feeling. They'll stare at that page for five minutes and you'll say, how are you feeling today? And they'll tell you a story about their day. Oh, this happened. I'm like, okay, how'd you, how do you feel today? Right. When we're first working with clients yeah. and it might take them six or seven or 10 times to go to even like share a feeling word. So yeah. we like to give them a cheat sheet at first and even more surprising is that women are usually initiate first. So sometimes women hire us before their husband comes to the party or their partner mm-hmm. comes to the party. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when they, when the men come to the party, they do the work faster almost every time. Mm. It's amazing. And, and for, for part of it, it's like, okay, you know, when we share the um, emotional weapons model, it's like, okay, here's this. And then, 
here's what that's about. And then here's how you clean that up and trade trade for these the skill set, right? Like it might just be learning how to ask, ask lovingly. Yeah. Men go, cool story. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see it because they're like, they just want to fix. They want the solution. Exactly. But, which usually pisses us off when they're like, when we're just trying to share something. But it makes total sense. It makes total <laughs> sense. They're like, all right, okay. So how do I do this? They just want the instructions. Exactly. exactly. You print them out a page and they're like, should I get a freaking cheat sheet? This is amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I can understand it because like no one ever given them instructions on how to deal with women. And all of a sudden you're like, this how to deal with conflict. They're like, yes, 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 yes. Exactly. Yeah, you got yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any other sort of like examples of how like, you know, it would look like this is game over for that couple, but they actually transcended it? Yeah. So, well, what you're sort of talking about is, you know, you can think of it from a, you know, I don't love to um, give religious examples, but the oh, concept of, of equally yoking, right? Oh, what's that? Equally yoking. <laughs> it's a, oh gosh, it's so equally yoking was is like a really old term. Yoking is a yoke on a, on a horse. It's like a, kind of like a sort of like a bridle that goes around their neck sort of mm -hmm. and it's for pulling a wagon and so people would talk about equally yoking um so equal like equally yoked could be like oh you make sort of the same amount of money um and so you're coming together from like an equal place but in this context it's equally uh, in an emotional place so let's say emotional um intelligence will just be ridiculous and say there's a one to ten you're either about one, you have very little emotional intelligence. Ten, you have all the emotional intelligence. So when couples get together, they are in the same sort of range of emotional uh, acuity or emotional capability. And so even couples who are beating the shit out of each other, they can stay together forever. It's crazy because they're in the same space. And where we see couples become really unstable is when one person is doing a lot of work or has done a lot of work and the other partner is not because you're growing away from them. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like the Wizard of Oz. Once you see behind the curtain that it's a man, you can't unsee it, right? You're not under any illusion anymore that it's a big voice from the sky. So once that happens, a relationship comes really unstable. But it, it, as long as couples are in the same-ish place, they can, I mean, they can be as volatile as they choose to be. Do you have an example of same-ish place? Like, what do you mean? Like, other than like the money stuff you mentioned, because that can't be enough, just the money. No, no, no. And and it's really the emotional same place. Like we're, we're at the same emotional level. So we fight the same, we complain the same, we throw a tantrum the same, we don't set boundaries, the, the, you know, similarly. And so when you're in a, an, an emotional similar place, couples mm -hmm. can stay together. And so let's say, you know, Angie, you're in a relationship and you get together and you guys start having volatility and we naturally attract someone who's in a similar emotional space. And then you start reading and doing all these podcasts and learning so much stuff. And now you're communicating differently and you're, you know, laying down your emotional weapons and walking away and not engaging. 
And then your partner is still following you into the room and screaming and yelling or, you know, trying to do the same stuff that the, that he's always done. Well, you're not going to want to be a party to that very long because you're learning and you want to have something different. And so that's when couples are the least sustainable is when one person is really on a growing track and the other person is not. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. 100% that makes total sense. And I think it's like, I, th- I think even like I say, one is growing and the other one isn't. There mm-hmm. is there is a amount of time the other person will wait for you mm-hmm. if, you're not, if, if you're not growing. But after a while, it's going to be too much of to drag you along, you know? Exactly. Too much of a heavy weight. Yep. Because I think it's normal. Usually you, there's always a bit of a inequality sometimes and like who is growing and then who isn't and then you know you you sort of sure. go at different pace but as long as the other one catches up with you or vice versa you're there but that makes a lot of sense it makes a mm-hmm. tons of sense um because even before um like when i was researching i was like oh let me look at some topics and stuff to ask you and i was going into this facebook group there i hadn't been in in a, i want to say oh my god almost two years and i used to go there for it's about relationship advice and dating advice, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And turns out it's actually very unhealthy advice. Mm. Like it's terrible, terrible. And um, so, but I went in to go to look, oh, are there any like interesting stories, like what are people talking about now? And and I looked at it and I couldn't connect to anything. Yeah. Nothing. And okay. I almost, and I could see, I could see, I was like, oh my God, like um, there's always a spectrum of the range of emotional health in those groups right there's a big range mm. but yeah. I, I, I used to always be in one of the ranges but now I was just like oh my god like I don't like I wouldn't see this this way anymore like I would not put up with this so I wouldn't go for this so I wouldn't it was so Love strange it. and it's like I said and so yeah it's like what because once you see you cannot unsee and that's a big one like like yes you said. and I think it makes sense I think if you are um, and I think it's having the grace, right? It is having the grace with someone to allow them to 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 give them time to grow to sure. to grow with you, but also to have the grace to like be in it together. Because I think, yeah, uh, someone told me, "Are like, are you going together? Or are you actually going like you're actually dealing with this on your own and figuring it out? But you're not actually in." in the egg yolk <laughs> yeah. like you're not in the egg yolk together you sort of like outside of the egg and no one's in the egg yolk together to like make it work and you just like are you in this together are you growing you know I don't know how to explain this but you know yeah. what I mean like yeah like because sometimes you have to be able to lean in lean into it and that's like the vulnerability and the trust comes in right and I think once you have that that's why I think relationship there's so much growth right like you grow so mm-hmm. much in them and that's why it hurts, <laughs> growing pains. But yeah, you know, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, yeah. But that makes a lot of sense. It makes sense. It's like you gotta. There is, there is that. But I think there's also timing, right? Sometimes timing is a thing. Sure. And if the other person doesn't have, or you don't have the resistance to stay in it, because it takes a lot to to grow, right? And to grow together, it's not easy. Right. No, it takes, it's work for sure. And commitment and a very different kind of commitment, right? Like, um, when you said something about vulnerability a moment ago, and it's like, yeah, that's the, that's the vulnerable work. When you decide to grow and heal 
and, you know, heal your own shit so that you can navigate differently and communicate differently and show up differently. Like it's, it's work for sure. And sometimes it feels so vulnerable that you don't even want to do it. It's like my heart is splayed open and, you know, like someone could just tear it out and run off with it. But, um, that trust building that trust and emotional safety that you were just referring to, like, that's, that's how you do it by growing together and learning to be increasingly vulnerable. Yeah. 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 I love it. It's true. It's true. So I want to sort of segue into like the, just briefly, because obviously, um, I'm looking at the time as well. And I don't want to sort of like, um, abuse your time, but you, you also, you advise couples who are in business together, right? So yes, I like, I can see how that could be an amazing plus if you're a good match for that. But mm -hmm. I was wondering, like, isn't having a business with your partner a passion killer? Oh, my gosh. I mean. Because <laughs> you see no. that all the time and you add all that stuff. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you how a couple would have their relationship set up. Right. So mm. being in business together is, is certainly uh, merely a reflection of, of a relationship, right. And it's going to amplify the, what's going on at home. So if, if home life is awesome, then business relationship will be awesome. If it's, you know, has a ton of conflict and pet peeves and irritation and frustration, then that's going to be amplified as well. I mean, gosh, the, some of the first things we do with couples who are in business together is help them define roles and responsibilities. Like they're, they're so often not doing the basic things at home or at business in business. Right. And what we see more of the time is that the woman is, um, like the cruise director of everything. And it's so, and she just constantly feels like she's, you know, wiping his butt and putting his diaper on and it's like, well, he had, and, and so that is a passion killer. Cause she's like mom at home, mom at work. And he's like, a you know, acting like a boneheaded kid who can't remember to, you know, bring his lunch money. So yeah, but either whether you're in business or not in that environment, but women lose their desire because it's not sexy. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, interestingly, like we teach couples to, to set up, um, their marriages, their relationships, very sim in many similar ways to a business. It's like, you're going to be financially profitable or emotionally profitable, or you're not right. Like you're not like, maybe we're profitable, <laughs> right? You look at the numbers, you are, you are at home it's very similar. You're either emotionally profitable together or you're not, there's no, there's no in between. Um, and so, yeah. So setting up systems and, you know, like my husband, he's, he's, it's so damn cute. He just like marches in the other, the other evening and was like, I made a new SOP <laughs> and it was just so damn adorable. And it's like, okay, we, when you have reoccurring problems, in a business or reoccurring problems at home, reoccurring fights. It's like, you know, you need a system. So think about, um, this is a, a, a really like, um, um, common one where couples and families fight at dinner time. 
right? It's like, Mm -hmm. what do you want? I don't know. You want to get takeout? I don't know. I cooked last night. I don't want to cook, right? And they just go back and forth and back and forth until everybody's hangry and pissed off. And now it's like, well, fuck it. I don't want to eat anyway now, (laughs) right? Or or you just like throw pizza down the hatch because that was the fastest. Mm -hmm. And so- it's couples can set up systems for any reoccurring problem. Okay. Now like Mondays are always taco night. We have the same damn tacos. Maybe we change the meat, but it's always taco night. So they know what to depend on. Friday is, you know, take out at their favorite Thai food place or whatever. So when you start to add systems, just like you would in a business, then all of a sudden people aren't trying to remember every little thing right? Like, I mean, we don't even go to the grocery without a list most of the time, unless we forget it and then we're irritated. (laughs) But couples get together or try to do a business together or both. And they're like, hey, let's just throw everything into a pot and hope it, stir it up, hope it tastes good. It's like, no, (laughs) it has to be um, like, there needs to be some strategy around how to be happy together or how to do business together, how to run a home together, how to, you know, we teach couples to to create a defining value. Well, that's how you make decisions. That's how you get rid of it's my way or your way. No, we decided that this is this value is how we make a decision. Okay, now it's not my way or your way. It's our way. It's always our way. And so you start to remove pride. Um, and so, yeah, so any kind of, um, system. And as you can imagine, we do a lot of systems creation with couples because it removes opportunities for fighting. It's like, oh, well, now that's a non-thing. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, systems is like super important in business. So like, it makes a lot of sense that that would, I mean, it'd be crazy to, but I can see what people would do. It'd be crazy to go into business with anyone um, without setting these boundaries and who does what was the role, you know, where's your strength and where do you have to, you know, pull up your sleeves and do and, and get, get to work, right? And I think, but it, it, I can see how it would be easily overlooked when it's your partner because you feel like, oh, yes. you, know, you don't want to be the, you know, bus, telling them what to do, busting them around or whatever. But then you end up doing that anyway because things need to get, you know, if you don't exactly. have a system, you're just going to get into conflict. I guess like, like how do you know, um, because everybody has like bad days. And so whether you're in business mm-hmm. together or you each have your own business, mm-hmm. how do you sort of like make sure like you're supportive in the right way and you don't sort of like, you know, make it worse or, or make that turn into a fight. So, you know, let's say if, you, if you're busy with your partner and they're in charge of sales and marketing and you're in charge of more of like the operational side, for example, mm-hmm. and your partner is not getting any sales in or you're not getting any sales in, Mm-hmm. how do you not bring that at home like you know because everyone you know we all go through phases <laughs> in our mm-hmm. businesses right um like how do you not bring that at home like how do you stay supportive how do you not like how do you not let that affect you do you have yeah does that come up in your in, in your stuff well i mean of course but mm-hmm. for from my angle that is that's your personal work to do right it's like so we take us with us wherever we go and yeah. so if I, if I don't know how to surrender anything, let go of, of anything, then I'm going to take it with me no matter where I go. Right. And so, um, we t- teach literally, you know, we hear 
all the time growing up and in religion, like, oh, let it go, give it over to God, you know, let the universe (laughs) handle it, right? And it's like, well, thanks, I don't know how to do that. So we've actually developed skills to literally teach people how to surrender negativity, negative emotions, um, negative experiences, so that they're literally let go on a permanent basis. So you're not just lugging around all your sandbags from your whole life. Um, and so, yeah, so it's like, y- your point is super well taken, but even if you have a job, you know, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of, I, I literally just started with a couple, um, a couple weeks ago and her biggest complaint is he comes home and complains about work all the time. It's the only thing he talks about. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it wouldn't matter if, you know, she's a business owner and he has a job either way, it can be brought home if that's where you are emotionally and you don't know how to you know overcome transcend that kind of stuff if you're still taking something personally or looking at something as a failure and you believe you're you know it's like uh, Brene Brown does such a magnificent job of talking about like I am this or I experienced this right like I am a failure or uh, a failure happened today so yeah so if if, if uh, any couple doesn't know how to to handle that how to resolve that doesn't really matter if you're in business together or not you're still bringing your shit storm home with you and then yes and then of course everybody suffers because mommy or daddy are crabby because they think that they are the job and they don't know how to align with their you know genuine identity it's a huge problem so by letting go, do you mean things like, for example, calling someone or someone that's other than your partner or like meditation, journaling, going for a run? Yeah. So there's lots of ways to, what's the word, to overcome or transcend emotional experiences, negativity. So like running, that would be considered a release. Okay. So you go and you exhaust yourself and then it like, you know, maybe it takes your mind off it or maybe you're obsessing the whole time you're running, right? Um, Calling someone. So, and I'll just sort of go through these because they're, they're really fantastic examples. So calling someone might be helpful. They might be like, oh man, Angie, that just sounds really tough. I'm so sorry you experienced that and give you some validation and some cozy love. Or it might be like, we get on the phone together and you're like, oh man, my boss sucks. And I'm like, yeah, he's a real asshole. (laughs) And then we just get like ramped up and all the emotions are there, right? Like you're not overcoming anything. You're just bitching about it. You're not solving anything. So, um, so we teach inner resources. So there's like a couple of types of meditations that, that we teach that literally teach you. So we think about all of our negative experiences as sandbags and they're tethered to, to your back and you sort of drag them around. And once you start surrender practices, it's like you slice a hole in your sandbag and all the accumulated negativity, anger, resentment, jealousy stuff, it starts to trickle out. Um, and we, we can understand this by you actually referred to this when we first got on today, um, about, okay, somebody blows up and you're like, okay, well, that's definitely not about me. Right. So when the crime 
doesn't fit the punishment. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, your kids spilled milk and all of a sudden you're having a complete and utter meltdown. It's like, <laughs> okay, that's not about spilled milk, right? That's how we know it's old shit accumulating that we never knew how to surrender and let go of permanently that just like culminates and explodes and culminates and explodes. And so when you learn true surrender techniques, you empty out that sandbag and all of a sudden you'll notice, you know, in 30 days, like, wow, I would have gotten really mad about that previously. And now it barely bothered me. Right. So you're literally transcending emotions and experiences so that you don't, you don't face the same shit day after day after day. You're not struggling with the same emotions and the emotional experiences day after day after day. Mm, Yeah. No, but that's very important for sure. Because otherwise you'll never actually have, it's almost like you're not even interacting with the people around you because you're caught up in your story. Exactly. If you don't empty that sandbag. You got it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting because in a way, like, it's, it's very scary when you think about how many people are not actually interacting with each other for real, you know, like how much of it is, is just an illusion of your, oh. of your triggers and your, your, your 90%. Glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yep. so Sean, um, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for your time. I want to round up and, um, I have the same two questions I ask all of my guests. Okay. uh, Which I call them the finishing thoughts. And the first one is, what do you wish you'd realized at 18, but really, really understood at a cellular level, not just cognitively? Ooh, girl. (laughs) Just one? Oh, 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 uh, it it could be a hundred. It doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or five or ten a hundred yeah go ahead <laughs> the, the first thing that came to mind is so I I grew up in an environment that had a lot of anger um and also some aggression and I got to adulthood and for most of my life I'm 50 and so until maybe like 10 years ago or a little more I was just like oh that's just who I am I'm just an angry person If I could go back to my 18 year old self, I would teach her how to surrender the anger so that she could have been joyful much sooner in her life and also not lash out her anger on, you know, anyone from a driver to her husband. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, any, any other ones you'd wish you'd realized? Um, I would, I would have really, it would have been nice to know that I could have a fight free marriage also that like (laughs) conflict didn't have to be, you know, when you hear all the, all the like pick your battles and fight fair. And at some point we were like, okay, this is my partner. Why the hell would I want to learn how to fight fair or battle in any way? And so, yes, I would have loved to know, um, that we didn't have to fight um, or that I didn't have to fight my way to get my needs met, that they could just be met lovingly. Mm. How long have you guys been married for now? Um, we are, we've been together for about 13 years. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, but you know, it's funny because uh, before I get to the second question, in a way, like, you know, I understand like what you said, what you said. But at the same time, if you hadn't gone through this, it would have been way harder to have 
any proper empathy with your client, understanding you exactly, yep. exactly what they're going through because oh, yeah, yeah. you can't just read a book and teach it. And some things you just have to experience to go, yep. I get oh, it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I truly don't have any regrets. I am thankful for every, every wound, every hurt, because it is yeah. what makes me really fucking good at my job. Yeah, <laughs> you know, even to the tune of like, I married my high school sweetheart and we got divorced. And after that, I had a ton of guilt and sh like sh divorce guilt and shame. And I dated this man who was just awful and even that i mean like he literally told me he's like girl you're about five pounds from being dumped like he was awful oh. and even that i was like wow i wouldn't understand abusive relationships if i hadn't had that like crappy boyfriend in the middle <laughs> before chris yeah. came along you know it's like yeah beforehand i it was so easy for me to be like oh my god why would they stay in that and then i was like oh okay yeah now i get it thanks universe for the lesson <laughs> yeah exactly but this is like it's like you had to it's a bit in that same vein of like you have to once you see you cannot unsee right you did not exactly. see at the time you could not see it you did not know you couldn't understand decipher those feelings um and it is it, it's is that thing is like you almost don't recognize yourself yeah oh girl so true yeah and yeah exactly and it's like that thing with the facebook group i was saying it's like i just could not even recognize i would ever ever wanted to yes. the need to even go there but it is what it is and it's like and that's the beauty isn't it it's like we grow and it's and it's, it makes me also think that what well, also means that anyone my past and yeah, that they would grow they would be they would hopefully have grown too right so mm -hmm. it's yeah it's just a journey um and so the second question is what stuff do you not put up with anymore um is that in like life in general or as my if, like, marriage you're or that, as if like you're told for that shit like, oh, whatever it, is, okay. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what it yeah. is like, whatever comes up for you Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, in my marriage, there just isn't anything that I feel I put up with. <laughs> so I was like, Whoa. um, but in life, life, I would say the biggest thing is meanness. I just can't tolerate meanness. I, that's an easy place for me to set a boundary or call it out or walk away. Um, yeah, I'm not interested in meanness in my, in my sphere. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah do you know what I said? i'm not surprised because in your emails um you know there's i always there's like this sense of this this is very um i mean i'm i i mean i may be wrong i don't know but there's there was always this kind of like pure joy that came through mm. like i don't want to say like innocent because obviously we, we're grown women but it's like yeah, there was yeah that no, thing, get, you know that um yeah, there's like a, a, a purity, like, I don't want to say childish, because I mean, because I, I have that, like, I think, I yeah. like people, and I know, it's like that genuine, like, excitement of for things. Oh, um, girl, your so intuition is on point. Okay, yeah, but it, it was yeah. through your email, it was through your email, so, oh, yeah, so I'm that. not surprised that you didn't want, you would not want to put with meanness, and, and, yeah. and it's funny, because that's something I learned in uh, relationships, a therapist told me this, someone who's like, um, a dating um she was actually on she was actually a guest on the show um Catherine Bajanayan um and she, it was like how I 
uh, I had uh, adopted a bad behavior from that Facebook group that I was mentioning, actually. Huh. Um, and um, I thought it was like completely fine, completely right. It was the right thing for him and I. And he got very, very, very upset about it. <laughs> And uh, I did not know it was that. I mean, I knew it was it was hard to do, but I thought but it was working. Um, and then he picked up on it, and he he basically, you know, uh, and I, when I saw his reaction, when I basically said, "No, yeah, that is what I'm doing," and I, you know, and when I saw his reaction, I knew there and there was a piece of shit in that moment. Like, or there were, not me, um, a piece of shit, but what I had done was like very, very shitty. Yeah. And I felt like awful. And what she was saying to me, so to go to like the, what you put up with, what you don't put up with, she said, because I was like, he had quite a strong reaction and he wouldn't let it go. And we had like for days and days and days, we had to talk about it. And she said to me, she said, it's actually a good sign that he's reacting strongly about this because that means there's something that, he wouldn't even consider doing like it's so out of his reality mm. that he's actually a bit shocked about it and that's a good uh. sign because you know that what you did wasn't right <laughs> <laughs> so he shouldn't be that okay with it and i was like oh, okay yeah that's yeah that sense. i that love that, that makes sense. we did get past it um also because i was very remorseful um <laughs> so i think if i wasn't remorseful or, or didn't know the errors of my ways i don't think that would have gone down but yeah so it makes sense that because you have that purity in you that the meanness does not land with you anymore like mm. that's that's like that's over and done with uh you kind of even you're allergic to it and, yes. that's, and that's healthy and that's a good thing that's very healthy um so before you um before you tell us where we can find you and how can people connect with you buy your books and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. is there anything that you'd like to share with us that maybe you didn't get a chance? Anything you want to say that I may have interrupted you? Or... Um, nothing that you interrupted me for or anything like that. Um, the thing that's coming to mind is just like an encouragement, I think, that that people can be like, I, I see so much settling and not like marriage settling, I mean, that too, or work settling, that too. But I see so much settling for like, my life is just okay, or fine, or um, was that? I think it was Jim Collins, the uh, Good to Great book, it's a business book. He had talked about how fine or good or okay are the enemy of great. And I just thought that was such a powerful line. Um, because people are just like, yeah, everything's fine. And I just would want people to know that everything can be fucking awesome <laughs> every day, like work, love, not that there's not hardships and, and pain that comes, but, but life can be amazing all the time. Like it doesn't have to be just fine or just okay. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, yeah. And, and, and it's like, it's, it's such a, and it's hard to hear if you're going through a rough time, right? Um, sure. But it's true that it's like, like it's so, it goes by so quickly. I mean, it's safe to say that you and I are in the second half of our life, right? We're mm -hmm. in the second stage, right? I mean, unless I, I, I don't have any intention to live to 132, you know, I mean, I mean, I may <laughs> I mean, there's not going to be anybody to look after me, for goodness sake. Like, I cannot be here that long. So I'm definitely in the second stage. I'm 44. 
safe to say I'm entering that second stage and it's it, it's quick it's fast um yeah. and so yeah I think yeah you're right the settling and and um is that what your book is about actually is that to sort of help that a little bit well kind of I mean the the book um it's called living for love um it's really like it's a guide for helping people get unstuck like any barrier limiting belief shitty job shitty marriage um, it's just really about teaching super practical tools. Like l- what I was talking about earlier around the surrender work, like I lay that out. And so to and teach people here is how you can transcend any negativity, negative emotion, negative past. Um, and so it, it supports people in, um, getting time back basically like a lot of time back because it teaches you how to stop toiling, like get out of your head. The average person spends four to six hours a day toiling about negative stuff, telling themselves drama stories. Is that, is that ruminating in your head? Exactly. Yep. Ruminating. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so it's like, oh, all of a sudden now I have several hours back in my day because my, my, I've trained my mind to be clear of Matt. I learned how to master my thinking um to you know to to you know clearing out the clutter in your relationship to clearing out the clutter to like help remove um layers of depression and anxiety so it's really a guide to learning how to literally live for love live for loving yourself live for loving you know the universe humanity and just allowing love to come like stand before you along with happiness and joy instead of trying to like dredge it up or make someone love you or trying to get love from you know somewhere else does that make sense yeah no it really does it really does and and I think you really got something there um like I mean with with all the things that you said um but there's one thing that sort of stood out for me right now because I've been thinking about this is like is thoughts I can totally believe that if you can be, like you said, like decluttering, that ruminating, like stopping ruminating in your mind. And that's because I think people get, you get caught up in the thought, right? You start with a thought and then all of a sudden you're like in the whole scenario and you're like in the whole movie. Exactly. Right? And I think the funny thing about thoughts is that they are, they're not necessarily you, they're, you know, just a thought. Right? No, for sure the not. Thoughts are so powerful. They're so powerful. You, some people don't even realize their thoughts. Sometimes I don't even realize their thoughts. Always said I'm like thinking, thinking, and I'm like, you know, you're away with the sto- story, and that's how powerful thoughts are. And I think that's oh, why it's yeah. so important to actually get this awareness because, and and that's where even actually even with interactions and with what you were saying before, like with triggers and the glasses we we wear, part of it is also the thoughts that we carry about someone, the perception we have about someone because of a thought that we made, an opinion we have. I mean, you know, this you know, this is a whole obviously long you know, whole other conversation. But yeah, I mean it's very that's very important um stuff there that you um that you just said. Um, yeah, you're super, super on it and on target. And, you know, what, what we teach it is that thinking is everyone's gateway drug, right? So yeah, you start thinking yeah. and then you start feeling shitty and then you pick a fight with your partner or you find yourself, you know, face deep in a Ben and Jerry's and then there's self-loathing and then there's alcohol. And then there it's like, you know, when you master your thinking, then you, you don't need that shit anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you're saving time. Mm-hmm. I love this. Yeah, because time is Thank everything. You. Sean, 
such a pleasure listening to you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, you, you too. Uh, I, I want you to please, like, please tell us, like, where can people find you? Can they work with you? Do you do remote work? How do they get a hold of your book? Give mm-hmm. us all the good stuff. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Love to. So um, one of the um, easy, like most beautiful ways to find me and our team is in our, we have a private Facebook group. Now this is just for women. Um, it's, and it's literally like if you search Facebook group, it's called reimagine love, R-E-I-M-A-G-I-N-E-L-O-V-E. And then reimaginelove.com is our website as well. And then you can go to Amazon to pick up the Living for Love. And then as far as working, um, all of our work is remote. Now we do um, some like on-site retreats and things like that throughout the year, but our work is um, is is over Zoom or phone um, for myself and and our team of coaches. Um, so yeah, so people can, you know, reach out through Facebook or reach out through our website and we will be absolutely delighted to have a conversation about what it looks like to have the freaking life and relationship of your dreams. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sean. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you, Angie. I really, really appreciate it. And that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to rate, review, share it, subscribe it on iTunes, follow it on Spotify or whichever platform you listen from. However you show love is how you can support this show. Drop me your questions or suggestions for future episodes via the website at angie-s.com or come and find me on Instagram at tool for dish it podcast. Take care and until next time. Using health inappropriately.